Hi, Casey. Hi, Kayla. Welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be back. Is it really? Yes. Are you ready to talk about Myra and Ian? I'm ready to hear more. Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm hoping we can get this done in two parts and not three. I think it's going to depend on how mentally brain fried we are by these human beings. They're pretty horrible human beings. They're pretty horrible. So, hopefully we can get it done in two, if not what, three parts. That is what it is. It is what it is, because they're just a lot. <laughs> but I'm personally ready to get off the Ian and Myra bus. I've, I've, my mind has been pretty Ian and Myra, so I'm ready to get off that train. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll have to power through it. And... Power through. No, yeah, we're powering through, but we'll get it, we'll get it done. Hear what other horrible atrocious things they've done why am i not lighting up there we go you have to get like right up on it (laughs) that's gonna sound weird yeah that's gonna be fun to edit (laughs) so in the first part we covered ian and myra's backstories for anyone who skipped the first part which you should listen to the first part before this 100 percent. but in the first part we did the backstories and then we also covered the murders of pauline reed and john kilbride um, unfortunately, we now have three more murders to get through. We got this. I believe in us. We do. So we need to get through the three murders and then also just how this all ends. Okay. Okay. So we covered the first two murders. Um, so now there are two graves at the moors that Ian and Myra go and visit a lot. They visit them? They visit. Well, at least they're being respectful, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. So they just go and hang out by the graves and make sure everything is undisturbed. Like, no one's coming and finding it. None of that. They also, um, they have a dog. Oh, they have a dog. Mm-hmm. Oh. Poppet. He's like a little terrier mix thingy. I love it. So he t- they take Poppet to the moors, like how you would just see a normal couple with their dog. And, mm-hmm. like, they take pictures and do all the things. They pose with Poppet. At the graves. That's horrible. That's disgusting. Yeah, they take pictures. Poor Poppet. Poor Poppet. He didn't doesn't know, know what he's He didn't doing. know. But, so they go and they take all these pictures. Like, there's actually a picture of Myra holding the dog. And they're, like, squatting over what just looks like dirt. And they're, like, looking down. And ha ha ha. And it's one of the graves. Ha ha ha. It's just hard style over this dead person. It's yeah. cool. But the sick part is that they would develop the pictures and put them in like family or um like just regular photo albums mm-hmm. and frames on the wall and just display it and like when people would come over they wouldn't have a clue what they were looking at. I hate that. I do too. But Ian, you know, obviously Ian and Myra thought that was a real hoot. Trash people. Trash people. So if you miss part 1, that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> just trash. Just pure trash. Uh they also started hanging around John Kilbride's home. For why? Uh, they were watching the house and the family, and they just kind of enjoyed the fact that the family was suffering. Yeah. But they, it's like they were suffering, but they weren't sure what they were suffering from. Like, was their baby dead? Oh. Was he missing? So they just relished in, like, this unknowing I hate suffer. that. Oh, they're horrible people. Um, and on the New Year's, they went to the Moors, and they each had a glass of whiskey and they cheers the John. That is just... They're sick humans. 
I'm trying to articulate words <laughs> to match my facial expressions right now. Oh, yeah. I'm just disgusted. Oh, yeah. If you could see the look on both of our faces. Well, I already knew this was coming. I wrote it. But Casey had no clue. And the shock I hate is it. real. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> so, on, oh, and by the way, if we laugh, it's by no way because we think this is funny. It's awkward as hell. It is. It is awkward to talk about this kind of stuff. It is, but yet here we are choosing to do it. <laughs> again. So, on June 16th, 1964, they decide they want to kill again. Oh, and they were pretty excited. They were ready to go out and do it again. As one is. As they do. So, Myra puts on her disguise with her dark wig and the whole get-up, and they go out looking. While out and about, they find Keith Bennett. So, like I said in the beginning, Keith was walking from his home to his grandmother's house to spend the night. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do remember okay. that. Um, so, his mom, Winnie, would normally walk him to gra- to his grandmother's house because it was, like, their weekly thing. I think mom went and, like, played bingo mm-hmm. or something, and, like, Keith would go spend the night. It was the whole thing. It was a little tradition they had, but she was, like, heavily pregnant. She was, like, seven or eight months pregnant. Oh, okay. So, she just couldn't do the walk. No, that's fair. So she's like, I'm going to watch you until I can't watch you. Like, you're out of the distance. And I'm just going to assume you made it. Because it was the 60s. Yeah. And that's what people did. That's fair. No, that's fair. So, yeah. Um, So she watched him. Thought all was well. And while walking, he saw a group of friends that he knew. So he kind of stopped and played with them for a second. Mm-hmm. So he got distracted. Um, So Myra claims that she approached Keith. And asked if he would be willing to help load boxes into her car. She said that he was hesitant, but he agreed and got in the passenger seat. Ian was in the back seat. Uh, Ian made Myra pull over. Keith got in the back to sit. Sorry, Keith got into the back seat with Ian. And Ian started telling him about this lost glove that Myra had. Remember, the the infamous infamous lost glove. Yeah, the infamous lost glove. Um, and Myra was just so upset. And since he was willing to help move boxes, they were wondering if he'd be willing to help find the glove. Because he was, you know, so helpful. As most kids are. There were, he never helped them with boxes. That was just, like, to lure them in. Mm-hmm. But. I assume there were no boxes. There were no boxes for anyone who didn't catch that. They just were luring him in. And he did agree to go find the glove. <sighs> It'd be like that. It'd be like that. So they go to the moors, they walk around for a bit. Uh, Ian tells Myra to stop while he continues walking with Keith. For about 40 minutes, they were gone. This is according to Myra. Okay. Um, Later, Ian came back. Myra said that Ian told her that... Here, trigger warning for anyone who needs it. Ian told her that he strangled Keith with a cord. Ian raped him. I had a hard time getting that out. Um, And he took a picture of Keith before burying him. I hate that. I hate it so much. Uh, She also claims that she heard and saw nothing and knew nothing about what had happened until Ian showed up and told her. Myra, don't lie to me. Myra, please. Mm Mm-hmm. So Ian's version was that Myra picked up Keith and Ian was on a completely different street waiting and Myra came by picked him up once she had Keith, which that part's kind of irrelevant, but they are different. Yeah. Um, they went to the moors together. They all walked about three miles into it, away from everything. 
this time they're mm, i hate this so much this time their signal because remember they had like their little eyebrow yeah, yeah raise thing this time their signal to attack was ian would whistle when you wish upon a star ian can you get any more fucked up my guy oh i hate it uh so they attacked ian said that myra was very much involved myra held him down ian assaulted him um ian said he strangled him they both buried him and they marked the grave with a large boulder so they could visit later on you know i hate to say it but i trust ian a little bit more than i trust i do too yeah because i'm like ian has no reason to lie about that yeah he's got no reason to save her either and also how can you be so involved but know nothing exactly i just i don't i don't believe it Mm -mm. Mm -mm. excuse me um so remember ian also had the tradition of giving myra a record oh no so this record from myra uh for this murder was called it's over by roy orbison um, after the mur- murder, Ian created a dark room so he could develop all of his pictures. Um, but he claims that he destroyed the picture that he supposedly took of Keith. He destroyed it because it was too blurry. It wasn't good enough. I mean, I get that, but in the same hand, did he really? Yeah, exactly. So again, once they found, once people kind of figure out Keith is missing, because it took until the next day for people to realize Keith was missing. Because everyone thought he was at Grandma's. But when Winnie and Grandma get together, like, huh, Keith isn't with either one of us. So it took until the next day before anyone knew. Oh, Yeah. Because remember, back then they didn't have cell phones. Yeah, and no. who knows, a lot of people, maybe they didn't even have landlines. I mean, depending on, like, where they were. That's fair, yeah. I mean, if it was, like, a poor area, I don't know, but... I don't know. I don't know either. It could have been no communication whatsoever in the 60s. Yeah, people just (laughs) trusted. They trusted. This is why we can't trust anyone now. Um, So, yeah, there was another huge search. They did the whole thing that they did before. Um, The difference with this murder was that people were starting to wonder if John and Keith were connected. Mm -hmm. Because for the first time, the victim was kind of the same. Because it was Pauline, who was 16 years old, mm-hmm. and now we have two boys that are the same age. Okay. Yeah. So there was no connection with Pauline, but now there's like, hmm, could John and Keith be connected? These poor little, little sweet babies. I know it. Um, there was a little bit of a question about Pauline, just because of the time frame, but there wasn't really anything to go off of that yet. Yeah. So, John and Keith's mothers, Sheila and Winnie, they start getting together, they start talking, and they kind of get, like, a little support group going, which I thought was kind of sweet. That is sweet. Especially because, like, they didn't even know if they were connected or not. Mm -hmm. They were just kind of going through it together. Just drawn to each other. I know. And eventually, they got Pauline's mother to kind of join join in, which I thought was sweet. Um, so Keith Bennett's mother, Winnie, had a baby boy, because remember, she was pregnant. That's right. She was pregnant. So, according to Winnie, um, when the baby was about three months old, she was up feeding him in the middle of the night, and she swears that she heard Keith call for her. Oh, I hate that. Like, saying, Mom, Mom, that type of thing. And she said in that moment, she knew Keith was dead. Oh. So, she said she knew 
like pretty early one that Keith was dead. Oh, that's which, heartbreaking. That's a that's just like pure motherly instinct. Yeah, which is so sad, but. Mm. So Myra, she compared Pauline, John, and Keith to lambs to the slaughter, watching them follow naively and innocently behind Ian into the moors. That's just exactly what they reminded her of, not knowing what they were walking into. It makes sense. It, it makes sense, out. but oh god, I hate her so much. Oh, me too. <sighs> so Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas, because we're American, and I did not know that. I've heard of Boxing Day, but, like, I didn't really know what it was. I don't know what Boxing Day is. It's the day after Christmas. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, December 26, 1964, 10-year-old Leslie Ann Downing went to a nearby fair. Her older brother, Terry, was supposed to go with her, but he got the flu and couldn't go. So, the neighbor invited Leslie and her little brother with her because she was going to take her own kids to the fair. So, she's like, oh, Leslie, you and your brother can come with us. That's, that's nice of her. Yeah. Um, so the neighbor had told Leslie's mother, who her name was Ann West, that she was going to watch Leslie, and because there was going to be an adult, her mother agreed for her to go. Mm. Which, responsible. That is responsible, especially for the 60s. Mm-hmm. But at the last minute, for whatever reason, the neighbor decided she was not going to go, and she sent the kids alone. Shady. Shady. And didn't tell the mom. Extra Shady. Shady. Which, had Anne known, she never would have let Leslie go. Yeah, it's fair. Because we love Anne. We love a responsible mama. <laughs> Too bad she wasn't responsible in this case. Yeah. Well, she tried. She thought someone was going to be with her kid. Yeah, no, that's fair. So, she had no idea because the neighbor didn't tell her she wasn't going. That's she didn't find out till after the fact. Gross. Yeah. So they all go down, all the kids, they go to the fair. Um, all the kids basically ran out of money to spend. Mm-hmm. So Leslie was like, well, I'm not ready to go. So all the kids left Leslie there so she could keep having fun at the fair, and they all went home. That's a mistake. Yeah. Um, reportedly, 11-year-old Bernard King, who I, I guess he knew her through school or through the neighborhood, he knew Leslie, mm-hmm. and he was the last one to see her. Uh, he told some. He told the authorities um, that he saw Leslie, and he said that he saw a dark-haired woman holding Leslie's hand and leading her away. Leslie went willingly, and she did not fight, scream, nothing. Myra. But Myra. Ugh. With a wig. Mm-hmm. So Myra had dropped boxes on the ground, and she had asked Leslie to help pick them up. She did. Of course she did. Uh, They then asked if she would help load them into the car, and they would drive her home, which she agreed to. Yeah. So she went very willingly with them. Kids just want to be helpful. They do. And Anne knew that. I I hate that they're taking advantage of these children, these sweet babies. I know. Oh, it breaks my heart. Um, So Anne claimed that he wasn't there to get Leslie. He said that that was always Myra's job, and he wasn't involved with it. Myra said that Ian was with her during the whole box debacle. Who knows? It's a they get very much he said she said mm-hmm. towards the end, and like little things like that don't line up. But either way, um, so Leslie, My, oh sorry, Myra took Leslie to her home. Okay. Keep in mind, Myra still lives with her grandmother. 
throughout this whole process. Remember we said we she loved her grandma? Mm-hmm. Grandma's involved unknowingly. Poor grandma. Poor grandma. Gran. That's what she called her gran. So she lives with grandma. Gran. She calls her gran. I need to remember it's gran. Gran. <laughs> Not grandma. <laughs> so, uh, so Myra brought Leslie to her home. Gran was out of town visiting some family member that night. So Myra had the whole place to herself. Okay, so this was a opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, I'm not going to lie. This one, for whatever reason, bothers me more than the rest. Oh. And we're going to find out a little more why. Um, so, they decided to record this killing, but it's just audio. They didn't, like, video record it. Um, so there's a 16-minute audio recording of Ian and Myra, um... They recorded their conversation where, again, we're going to get into it, so. Uh, They were undressing her, they were trying to take pictures of her, they were scaring her. It was a whole thing. Um, This recording has never been released to the public. That's probably for the best. Because authorities just said it it was deemed to be too much. I I believe that. Oh, I I have not ounce of a desire to ever listen to that yeah no no it's like those 911 calls mm-hmm. you listen to them and you're like "Ooh, why did i do that to myself oh yeah yeah it was just deemed to be too much mm. rightfully so i yeah. imagine um so in this video it's or not video sorry the audio leslie's very upset she pleads for them to stop She even calls them, like, mommy and daddy, thinking, I don't know, she thought, like, that would help, like, they would stop. Get that sympathy card. Sympathy. Um, She asks, basically, for them to stop doing what they're doing. Um, Myra talks a lot in this audio. So, Myra cannot say that she does not know what happened. Myra, this tape is damning for Myra. Yeah, she's got no out. No, she is very involved. She talks a lot. Ian doesn't say a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all, obviously, by reports. I didn't listen to it, obviously. Yes. But Ian doesn't say a whole lot. He tells her to shut up, basically. But that's about it. E- Whereas Myra's, like, very involved. Almost, like, probably describing herself as she's doing things. Yeah. Ew. Well, like, she tells her, like, to stop. And if she doesn't, like, if she doesn't shut up, she'll hit her. Like, she mm. threatened to hit this child. About to threaten to hit Myra. Oh, I would love to hit Myra. <laughs> um, but yeah, Myra, Myra later on claimed that she was never there. She had nothing to do with it. Nothing. Meanwhile, this tape literally has her threatening to hit a child as they are terrifying her. Myra, get your shit together. Oh my gosh. Uh, in the background, little drummer boy played on a loop. Why? That's so weird. It's so weird. So all the investigators that had to listen to this tape, which all these were like, they were said to be very hardened men, like they went to war, they had very like intense backgrounds. Mm -hmm. When they listened to this tape, every single one of them broke down. Oh, I hate that. Because it was just so intense. And none of them, they all said like they could not listen to Little Drummer Boy ever again. Christmas has got to be scarring for some of oh, these Oh, 100%. Um, so, very hmm, briefly. Uh, so, they took the pictures of her during that whole audio. 
they assaulted her, and they killed her. Mm -hmm. Myra claims that she looked away the whole time because she was scared that Leslie would be screaming, and her screams would be heard through the open window. So therefore, she didn't see anything or anything. I guess she was like monitoring the windows. I don't know what her deal was. Just <laughs> kind of being the yeah. stakeout. Yeah. Which is a lie because Ian was so meticulous, there's no way he would leave a window open. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, it's... like, she was, that was, like, her excuse, which doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Uh, Myra then claimed that after the picture, she was in the bathroom running Leslie a hot bath. So, she wasn't even in the room, and the water was running, so she did not hear anything that happened. Why would you be running a child that you kidnapped and getting ready to kill a mm -hmm. hot bath? Yeah, she says she came out of the bathroom, and when she came out, she saw Leslie dead and face down on the bed. But she obviously doesn't know how she got that way. Obviously. Yeah. She wasn't there for it. Mm-hmm. Ian said that she was a very active participant in the murder. I believe that. I, I believe, believe that. Ian. She helped assault. She helped hold her down. While he did everything that he did to her, he strangled her with a cord. She very much helped her with all of that. Um, Ian said that Myra did run a bath. That part was true. But it was to wash the body of evidence. That checks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian also said that he claimed that Myra carried the cord around that he used to kill Leslie. Mm hmm She just carried it around with her. Just, like, casually? Yeah, and, like, she would, like, play with it with her fingers. Like, just kind of, like, playing with it. And she got off on the fact that no one knew what it was. That's disgusting. Yeah, they're sick. Um, but yeah, that's why he wanted to run the bath to wash Leslie. Because this was the first murder that they committed in their home. So they were trying to... Excuse me. They were trying to get rid of evidence. Just hide that evidence the best they could. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. since Ian's super meticulous about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought Leslie to the moors to bury her, but there was a crazy snowstorm, so they couldn't get to it. So they had to go back to Myra's house with Leslie. They just have this dead body hanging out with them. Just hanging out. Weakened that Bernie style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You okay? Yep. <laughs> that really threw me off. <laughs> um, so since Leslie was back at the house, that meant that she needed Gran to be gone longer. Not grand. Not grand. So Myra drove. Myra drove to her uncle, that's who Gran was visiting, to tell him that she could not bring Gran home because there was a bad snowstorm. So she drove to him to tell him that <laughs> she, she drove. <laughs> she drove to him to say, nah, can't happen, instead of just like calling him. <laughs> that makes no sense. And he said, well, you have to drive home anyway. Why can't you just take her with you? My man. <laughs> so, I don't know how she got out of it. She was just like, nah. She's staying here. <laughs> she needs Ian. She's... I mean, I don't... Mm. She could not do this on her oh, own. Oh, no. She... No. <laughs> that, that tickled me. That little tidbit that she drove all the way there to say she couldn't drive home. Just... Get there and be like, nah, I can't do it today. <laughs> nope. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, 10 p.m., her parents called the police and are frantically looking for her because they realized she didn't come home with her brother. 
No one saw her at the fair, so they get the police involved. Uh, the next morning, Ian and Myra, they went back to the moors. Uh, Ian goes to dig a grave that was near Pauline, and Myra... Sorry, this didn't make sense. Okay, sorry. So the next morning, Ian and Myra went to the moors. Ian went out to go dig the mm-hmm. grave, which happened to be near Pauline. Um, so Myra's just chilling in the car with Leslie. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. While waiting, a cop shows up. <laughs> See, <laughs> this is my distrust in the, uh, in mm-hmm. the government. This, this yeah. cop is not going to catch anything. No. He just basically went up to her and was like, hey, are you okay? Does your car need a jump? No. Do you have a dead body in your trunk, maybe? Do you have a dead battery? Do you have a dead body? You can pick one. Pick something. And she basically was just like, no, I'm just just hanging out. All is fine. And he just, he left. A cab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So Ian, they buried Leslie with her clothes laying on top of her. And a few weeks later, they went back together and they took more pictures on top of Leslie's grave. And they were just cheesing. Family picnic time. I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, later during the investigation, they found Myra's fingerprints on the pictures of Leslie that Ian had developed. Um, so that meant that she, from their, you know, what they gather, she's looking at these pictures. She's reminiscing. She was holding them like, huh, this is great. Myra. So it's not like she didn't know any of this existed. Her fingerprints were on all of it. You dumb bitch. You dumb bitch. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's strange to reminisce on something and look at the pictures when you weren't there. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, like, look at pictures that I wasn't directly yeah. involved with. Nope. Um. So the record... Oops. Clicked out of it. So the record that they got for this one was Girl Don't Come by Sandy Shaw. I'm going to have to Google all these songs. So I, know. I know. what they sound like. I kind of want to know just to, like, see if there's, like, a correlation or if it's just, like, a random song. And it had to have meant something to them, or at least to Ian anyway. Maybe it's something they heard earlier in the day and they're like, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it was just, like, something that day. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Okay, so after Leslie, Ian decided he wanted something different. Because he was bored. How can he be, you know what? I don't know how he can be bored because everything's been different. <laughs> For each murder. I feel like everything's been different. But he's bored. Just so, find a hobby, Ian. Yes. Pick up needlework or, like, crocheting. <laughs> Not murder. <laughs> So he just, he thought of a few different things to spice it up. Uh, he thought about creating a racial war. Ian. But decided that wasn't for them. Because they, his reason was that they had no political reason to do it. Except for the fact that he's a Nazi. Yes. But like, I guess, for whatever reason, he decided that was not for them. Which we're grateful. Yeah, we're thankful for We're it. thankful that we did kick that one to the curb. Glad that one stayed in the handy-dandy uh, <laughs> idea box. Yeah, so they decided that just wouldn't make sense for them. He also thought about trying to derail a train and watch everyone die. 
Oh. But decided he didn't want to go that route either. That's got to be difficult. I would imagine. You don't think everybody wouldn't die. People just get injured. Unless it falls off like a cliff or something. That, knowing Ian. It would be a cliff It train. would be a cliff. It would be like that, like in the movies when you see the bridge, like over the water. I was thinking more of that episode of Spongebob with the Alaskan bullworm. <laughs> yes. But to each the bullworm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So remember, during Pauline's murder, Myra spilt the bean spilt the beans that she knew who Pauline was. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Pauline was seen with Myra's little sister, Mor- Maureen's boyfriend. When I say Myra and Maureen, sometimes I feel like I say the wrong one. <laughs> oh, they're so similar. They're so similar. So Myra wanted to get rid of David Smith at the time. Oh. Um, but Ian said, at the time, no, we're not going to get rid of David. Because remember, I told you David's important. I yes. don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Okay. Ian said, we can't kill David. We might use him later. For what, Ian? Mm-hmm. So at some point during the last few murders, Maureen and David, they got married. They were 17 years old. And it wasn't long after that they had a daughter named Angela. By all accounts, they loved Angela. There was no issues. Uh, David even said that having Angela changed his whole outlook on life, and he was a very doting dad. Aww. Like, they were just a sweet little family. We love that. Love that. David said that Myra and Ian wanted nothing to do with Angela. Nothing. They did not like her. Myra, who was supposedly very close with Maureen and best friends with her, uh, she wanted nothing to do with the baby. How do you hate a baby? It's Myra. <laughs> That's fair. Mm-hmm. So on April 24th, 1965, this was about five months after Leslie's murder, so mm-hmm. we're kind of in the same time frame, Angela died of bronchitis, Aww. I believe is what it was, and she was only about six months old. Oh, poor baby. I know. So David and Maureen, they were obviously devastated. And keep in mind, they were only like teenagers. They got married at 17, so okay. they were probably like 18, 19 years old. That changes the chemistry in people's brains. Yeah. Uh, so I can imagine, like, losing a baby's heart at any age, but let alone when you're, like, literally a teenager. Can you imagine? I couldn't mm, imagine. No. I don't want to. No. <laughs> so when her niece passed away, uh, Myra got... This is David's account, by the way. He saw Myra look at the baby in the open casket. Mm-hmm. And for a split second, like he said it was a split second, she got teary-eyed. And then she wiped it away and acted like nothing bothered her. David saw her and said it was almost like she got embarrassed. And she was trying to stop it before Ian saw her. Oh. That checks out. So mm-hmm. maybe she did love the baby and Ian was like, nah, man, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I think it was definitely like putting on a front for Ian. Like she wanted to look, in her mind, good yeah. for Ian. She wanted to look strong. Strong. Or, like, just didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, Myra told sister to stop mourning the baby and get a dog. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That works. Yeah. Um, after the funeral, Ian drove David to the moors, and they stood in the moonlight for a second. Um, David, at the time, he thought it was just, like, basically his brother-in-law, I guess, taking yeah. him away after the funeral, like, getting a breather. Yeah. Um... 
What David didn't know was that Ian took him to the spot where John Kilbride was buried, and that's where they were, like, having this moment. Uh. He didn't know that until way after, but. Poor David. Oh, my gosh. Um, to, so to seek some kind of comfort and, you know, like, keep their minds busy, David and Maureen, they, they just start hanging out with Ian and Myra more. That's not smart. No. But, I mean. That's how you accidentally become a murderer. Yeah, yeah. So Ian and Myra would take them to the moors to hang out, and they'd have picnics. And unknowingly to David and Maureen, they were being taken to the actual grave sites. Yeah. I'm just over here shaking my head. Yeah, she's just shaking. And just because Ian and Myra basically got a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Gross. So at some point, Ian kind of wants to see where he, what his limits are, I guess, with David. Trying to see if he can push David into mm-hmm. a life of crime. Yes, exactly. Ugh. So Ian starts doing the same. Ian starts doing the same things to David that Ian did to Mor- Myra when they were first starting to date. So, like, he gives him some Nazi books to read. Ian starts getting a feel for if David's kind of receptive to all these ideas that he has. And I don't really know if David really was or if he was just, like, in the process of mourning and he's like, whatever. Yeah. I'm not really into it, but keeps my mind busy type of thing. I don't really know. So Ian's just kind of, like, getting a feel for it. Myra was extremely jealous of all this. Oh, because to her, this was like Ian's side. That's like hers. Yeah. And like, that's like their thing. And now he's bringing David into it. They're going to kill David, aren't they? Nope. Oh, (laughs) spoiler alert. (laughs) Good. (laughs) We like David. Yeah. So as things just kind of naturally happen when couples hang out, it's like the girls go one place and the guys go one place, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, So David and Ian would have a couple drinks. Ian starts asking David if he wants to get involved on his robberies and breaking into homes. Ian, why would you admit that to anybody that you're doing that stuff? I don't know if he ever did. I mean, I know he did when he was a teenager. But, like, as he got into being an adult, they never really said he did or not. It's like he just kind of used it to see what people would say. Oh, okay. But I don't know if he actually did or not. Obviously, he's not opposed. Yeah, but... Um, so he basically told David, um, it's just an easy way to make money and David would just have to be a lookout. David said no, right? Well, he told David it was good and easy money and David was having a hard time finding a job. David. So he was okay with like being a lookout. David. So David wasn't too sure about it, but he was like, eh, maybe. And then eventually Ian was asking David... Do you think you're capable of murder? So it's like, you remember with what he did to Myra, where it's like he was bracing her for a robbery and then it never happened? Yeah. Like, to see where she was? Yeah. I think it was kind of that same thing. Okay. But it was just like in conversation, kind of like feeling him out type of thing. So yeah, he asked if he was capable of murder, but Ian, or David was hesitant. Good, David. As you should be. <laughs> as, as you absolutely should yeah. be. And according to David, Ian said that he had actually killed before. I guess to make David feel better. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't make me feel better. In fact, that would make me feel like I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. So according to David, uh, he said, Ian told him that he killed about three or four times 
and he buried them in the moors, and he then told David that him and Maureen had been sitting by the graves. David, go to the police, please. Yeah. Um, he also held a gun to, Nav- to David's head and told him how easy it would be to kill someone and how fast it could happen. David, run. Run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor David. Poor David. He was going ready. through it. Yeah. So he, I guess when all that happened... David was like, man, robbing's not so bad after all that. So eventually Ian did talk him into robbing. But Ian wasn't really convinced that David had the nerve to go through with robbing or killing somebody. Good on David. So Ian wanted to test him. Ian. Stop. As opposed to just moving on. (laughs) So Ian's plan was that he was going to pick up a victim and go to the moors and have David meet him there. He would hand David a gun and tell him to shoot whoever it was, and if David refused, Ian would just shoot them both. I hate this. This is the worst plan. Yeah. So as it got closer to the day of this, um, whatever he had planned, Ian noticed that David was getting really freaked out. As one does. So Ian was like, I don't think this whole robbery... And Moore's idea is going to work out for David too well. So I'm going to, you know, it might be too much for David right away. So Ian told David that they could practice what was called back then. Remember, it's the six, 60s. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, rolling a queer. I, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> what so, does that mean? So. Yeah, this was, keep in mind, don't even keep in mind, it's just terrible. (laughs) So this rolling, quote unquote, rolling a queer, that's when you would convince a gay person that you wanted to have sex with them, bring them to wherever you were going to have sex, and you rob them. Because during this time period in the 60s in the UK, it was illegal to be gay. So the victims could never report them to the police without outing themselves and getting arrested. Damn. Yeah. So these poor gay people, they were easily getting scammed into this, and they... It would happen, and they'd have, like, nowhere to go. As a bisexual woman, I would have definitely fallen for that shit. I think a lot of people did. I mean, if it has its own term... Obviously, it was very common. That's fair. Yeah. But, no, so Ian said that that's what they were going to do. I hate them. I'm literally, like, throwing my hands in the air, like, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm judging David now for being a part of this. I don't really know if he went along. It, I couldn't get his... I actually tried to find his reaction or anything. Yeah. I think at that point, I don't know if he was like, he felt like he was in too deep. Or like Ian probably scared the absolute crap out of him because he just said he killed people and. I'd be afraid of somebody who told me they were a murderer. Yeah. yeah. And Ian's also just creepy as heck. So. He is kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know what poor David's mindset was, but Ian definitely like trapped him into it. David. Yeah. Okay. Whew. 
Goodness, I had to catch my breath on that one. On October 6, 1965, that was the last murder. Good. So Ian bought Myra the record from Bob Dylan called It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. It's kind of ironic now. Yeah. I don't know if he knew that at the time. Probably not. Probably not. So, 17-year-old Edward Evans was going out in the town that night. He was going to meet up with a buddy at the bar and watch the Manchester United game. He was waiting at the bar and his friends never showed. What shitty friends. I know. So Ian and Myra just kind of happened to be out and about. They were going to go buy wine and... I don't think they were initially going out to, like, quote-unquote hunt. They just happened to be out and about. They were just out being deviants. Deviants. Getting wine. (laughs) Um, So Ian spots Edward and immediately knew that was his next victim. I wonder what it's like to be a murderer and just just look at somebody and be like, you're next. That's it. That's the one. (laughs) I don't even know. So he asked Edward if he wanted to come back to his place. Ian kind of made it very known his intentions were to sleep with Edward. Okay. So that's kind of how he lured him in. So Edward's gay. I don't know if he was necessarily out or like if he was bisexual, but Mm. he was okay with what Ian was offering. Got it. We at least know that much. So I don't know. (laughs) Um... So he asked Edward to come back with the intentions of having sex, um, have a couple drinks, that whole thing, and Edward agreed. So when Edward gets in the car, he sees Myra, and Ian says that is his sister. Oh. So Myra drops them off at her house, which is Gran's house. Um, Gran is home. Because remember, this wasn't planned. It just kind of happened. Gran was home. She was asleep upstairs. Ian told Myra to go get David at their at David's house and bring David back. But make sure you kind of hang out with him for a little while before you come back. So they can do it. Mm-hmm. You think Myra, because of how jealous she gets, she would have been jealous of that too? You would think with this situation. Because it was very obvious. Like He was like, oh, I, I want to have sex with him. And they were both, like, openly bisexual, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's some speculation that Ian was actually gay. Mm -hmm. Like, just full-on gay, not bisexual. And was just leading Myra on Mm -hmm. the whole time. And just kind of needed her when he needed her type of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But, um, so anyway, he told Myra, go get David, hang out at their house for a little bit, and bring him back. So they have time to do the deed, basically. (laughs) So, um, Gran's chilling upstairs asleep. Myra leaves. After a little while, um, well, Myra gets to their house. After a little while, she asked David to walk her home. And he did. Well, good on David. I think that David overall was a good guy. Yeah, he's a gentleman. I think he really was. Um, so he walked back and he had a walking stick that had a long string on it. That will come back. It's a weird tidbit of info, but we need the info later. Okay, so it just had a string on it. Yeah, I don't really know why. Maybe he's just a fan of strings. Like a fishing. Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what it was. Um, so Edward and Ian did have sex while Myra was gone. And when Myra and David came back to the house, um, they're kind of different stories mm-hmm. at what happened at this point. 
Um, so Myra, Myra and David come to the house, and they see they see Edward sitting on the couch, just kind of minding his own business. Just doing his thing. Just chilling. Um, and they go to the kitchen to get wine. Um, without any warning, Ian walked up behind Edward with an axe that he had hidden in the room. All right, Lizzie Borden. Yeah, right. Um, and, and without a single word, he brought the axe up and hit Edward in the head completely out of nowhere. Uh. Ian said that Edward turned his head at the last second, so the blow kind of went to the side instead of dead on. Um, so Ian had to hit him again and again, according to Ian, because since Edward ruined that one perfect hit because he moved his head, obviously Ian blamed Edward. <laughs> Yeah, for moving his head obviously it was edward so fault. because edward messed up ian hit him 14 times that's excessive excessive how are they gonna clean this mess up Mm-mm. that's so, a lot of blood that is a lot so david said that he and myra were in the kitchen and heard the commotion and myra basically yells at david to go help ian mm-hmm. like there was an emergency or whatever it was go help ian uh, during this whole process, Gran hears Edward, because at this point, Ian even said, like, Edward is screaming. Like, it was very, very loud. I could imagine. Um, he's trying to protect himself. The dogs are barking. It's just chaos. So, Gran wakes up, and she kind of, like, yells down the steps, like, hey, what's going on? And Myra's just like, hey, it's fine. Go back to bed. As long as Gran's okay. Gran is okay. Okay, perfect. Gran is okay, but Gran had no idea. It's for the best, Gran. It's for, I mean, I'm sure she found out, but. I'm sure. Yeah. Myra just was like, yeah, go back to bed. All's fine, Gran. There's nobody getting murdered with an axe down here. No. Go back to bed. So Ian said that after hitting him so many times, Edward was still making kind of gurgling noises and he wasn't dead yet. Ooh, love that. Mm-hmm. So he went to the kitchen to grab a cord, and he wrapped that around Edward's neck, and he put a pillow over his head to finish the job. Mm. I would think the 14 times would have done it. You would think so. But. Must have been a dull axe. Must have. So when Edward was dead, Ian handed the axe to David. He told David he wanted to see for himself how heavy the axe was. Like, ha, ha, ha. Look how heavy this was. And I just swung it around 14 times. All willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, what Ian, or sorry, what David did not know was that was Ian's way of having David's fingerprints on the murder weapon. That was smart. Because I don't know if you've ever thrown an axe, but axes are really heavy. I'm not that in shape. I know that's out of my league. <laughs> Listen, you don't need to be in shape to throw an axe. You did that for your birthday. I did do that for my birthday. Was it fun? It was so much fun. Not as much fun as Ian had, but... I would hope. (laughs) It was a good time. Good. I want to do that. We should do that one day. We should. Double date. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. So, Ian got David's fingerprints on the axe, and Ian just kind of, like, lit a cigarette, and he looked at all the blood splatter on the walls and the floor everywhere, um, and told David and Myra that it was the messiest murder he had ever committed. Ian. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't wrong, but still, that's a lot to take in. That is a lot to take in. Yeah. So, David was in pure shock. Like, he was in pure, like, fight or flight, like, 
what the heck am I doing here? Like, he had no idea any of this was going to happen. That's a fair way to be when you see your first dead body. Well, not only that, he saw him, like, get wailed. That's true, too. Yeah. And then he has, like, this whole mess of blood everywhere. And Ian's just, like, chilling, lighting a cigarette. Ian's like, this is normal everyday yeah. stuff. So he said his plan, his tactic, this was David, he was going to act as normal as possible. Because he knew if he acted emotional or freaked out, he was not leaving that house alive. Absolutely not. Ian was going to get him. No, so he was like, I'm playing it up, but I'm freaking out. <laughs> We've all been there. I've not been here. <laughs> I mean, not in that exact <laughs> not situation. Not in this situation, but yeah, I guess a much, much lesser version. Um, so David said that during this time, Ian and Myra were very casual. Very normal. They were not freaking out. Nothing. David helped Myra clean up the mess. He said Myra was completely unfazed by it. She would just kind of pick up bone or hair or whatever and just throw it in the trash like it was nothing. It's because Myra's had more to do with this than mm-hmm. what she's been leading on. Exactly. It all leads to that. Um, so they took Edward's wallet and shoes and he, the murder weapon into a bag into the room somewhere in the house. Um, and they spread a sheet on the floor and they put Edward on top of it. Ian used the string from David's walking stick, and he tied Edward's body into a fetal position. Mm. So that was Ian's way of connecting David to the murder again. Poor David. Yeah. Which, obviously, David's going through all the motions. He doesn't pick up on all this. Yeah. He's just like, what am I going to do that's going to let me survive? He's in sur- he's in survival mode now. Yeah. So, like, he didn't, he's like, I don't care. Take my string. Have it. It's yours it. now. <laughs> exactly. Ian said it took three of them about three hours to scrub down the scene. Ian said that there was so much blood that he was shocked that the police couldn't find any evidence of it. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It must have been thorough. Apparently. Um, so after that was done, they all smoked, they had some drinks, and they talked about what they were going to do with Edward's body. Out to the moors we go. Mm-hmm. Well, it was in the middle of the night, too, so it's like they kind of had to figure out what they were doing plan-wise. Yeah. Um, so they wanted to use David's recently dead baby daughter, her baby carriage, uh. to move Edward because no one would be suspicious of a baby carriage. I would be suspicious of a baby carriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially if you think if they're walking in a neighborhood where everyone knows that your baby is dead. Died. Yeah. And you're, the three of you are just strolling around with it. That might be a little weird. That might be a little I actually weird. never thought about that till just now. That's a little weird. Yeah. But they thought it would be, un- you know, no big deal. MBD, you know? MBD. So they wrote down the plan of what they wanted to do, and Ian carried it in his wallet, which I don't really know why they wrote it down, but they did. So at around three or four, David's like, hey, I gotta go. So he's been playing along with everything up until this point because he really didn't have much choice. Um, but he kind of managed to get out of it, to, like, leave the house. So he asked Edward, or sorry, he asked Ian if it's okay for him to leave, to go home, get some sleep, get some rest, and then he would help them bury the body. And Ian agreed to this? Ian agreed. Ian, you amateur. I was actually really shocked about that. I don't even know if 
I don't think David had much faith in it. I don't think he thought it was going to work. He was just like, I'm kind of at my breaking point of keeping it together. <laughs> I got to get out of here. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. So, Ian agrees. David skedaddles. David walks down the road until he's kind of out of sight from the house. And then he just books it. Runs. Just goes for it. Until he's out of sight and he just goes. And he goes home. Goes, he basically goes home and gets sick. Like, he just immediately gets sick, vomiting. All that shock. Getting mm-hmm. to he had to, like, keep it all built in. Mm. And Maureen's like, what the heck happened? So he tells Maureen what happened. So, I don't know if you remember in the very beginning that I told you that there was a phone call. I don't remember the phone call. You don't? No. Okay. So, October 7th, 1965, at 6.07 a.m., Constable Keith Edwards answered a phone call, and he heard, Hi, my name is David Smith. There's been a murder. David. Mm-hmm. So, in the he's the one, he's the reason why Ian and Myra got caught. I kind of feel like, listening to this, Ian wanted, wanted to get caught at this point. You know, I kind of feel like... If, which, I mean, I listen to a lot of true crime. Whenever you get to, like, a serial killer, I feel like they all kind of get to that point. Where they're cocky. Where, like, they're cocky, but they also kind of get careless. Yeah. And they're like, well, we'll get caught. Because I don't know why he would be so careless to bring David in. I have no idea. I don't either. But he did it. Thankfully, he did. Thank God. Yeah. So... 24, sorry, 24, I cannot speak, sorry, 24 uniformed and six out-of-uniform officers, I guess they were, like, off-duty or undercover, Mm -hmm. they all showed up to Myra's house. Oh, snap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them blocked roads around the home, and the rest were just around the house, because they are like, oh, shit, it's going to go down. Grand's probably freaking out. Poor Grand. (laughs) So at around 8.30 a.m., Myra and Ian were still at the house. They had planned on Myra going into work like normal, Mm -hmm. but Ian was going to call out. He didn't want both of them to call out of work because that just wouldn't look good. That looks suspicious. Because remember, they worked at the same place. Yeah. Um, So he was going to call out during the whole, uh, because the whole murder cleanup kind of hurt his ankle. Oh, and little, poor little baby couldn't go into work because he had a little sore ankle. <laughs> Come up with something better. Oh, my ankles hurt. So he was going to use that as an excuse to not go to work. So Myra was going to leave closer to nine, so she was kind of getting ready to leave when the police showed up. So police also knew that if they just kind of went up to the door and raided to the house, that it would just turn into a shootout. Yeah. And they did not want that to happen. So the superintendent Talbot was waiting outside of the house for somebody to leave. And during the process, he sees a bread delivery man. I think this is so funny. (laughs) So he goes up to this man and asks for his uniform and a tray of bread. Um, And he knocks on Myra's door so that Myra would answer. This sounds scooby-doo shit I know. I thought that was so funny. So, and it worked. Myra answered. And this is kind of, this is my breakdown that I wrote down of this conversation. Talbot was like, hey, I got your bread. Myra was like, I did not order bread. 
Talbot was like, that's cool. I'm a cop. I'm coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight to the point. Like, he's just like, that's cool. You open the door. I can come in now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. I mean, if it works, it works. It works. So Talbot asked for her husband. Myra says that she there was no husband. Uh, Talbot asked for the man of the house. Myra said that there isn't one. Talbot sees Ian on the couch just chilling. And he's like, hey, who's that man over there? And Myra just had nothing to say at that point. She was just like, hmm. He's just some guy. There. And also, um, the superintendent Talbot, he said that when he answered the door, he thought that Myra was like 40 years old. How old was she? Remember, um, because you said the same thing. You thought she was, like, in her 40s. Yeah. And she's, like, 23, 24. She's rough. She is rough. She's she haggard. Is rough. She haggard. Mm. So Ian was writing his excuse for work about his little itty-bitty little ankle. I'm going to start calling out of work because my ankles hurt. Because of a murder? <laughs> because I actually <laughs> murdered somebody. Well, you might get out of work, but you might go to jail. <laughs> I mean, I would get out of work, but would it really get me out of work? Hmm. Because I would have to go pick up that dead body (laughs) if I didn't hide it good enough. Hashtag funeral director life. Hashtag mortician life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, he was writing his excuse and he heard the police come in. Um, So, police. Sorry. So, yeah, Ian was writing his excuse to get out of work. And he continued writing this letter as he heard the police come in. Because he was like, eh, whatever. Because Ian doesn't care about anything, ever. Ian doesn't even care about Ian, it seems like. I don't... mm, I don't think Ian cares about anything. So police tried to open the bedroom door and the door was locked. Because that's where Edward was. Yeah. They asked Myra for the key and Myra said she didn't have the key. It was at work. And she was not going to go get it for them. Myra, mm-hmm. shut up. So Ian overheard this conversation. He's still writing the note for whatever reason and told Myra she better open the door and told police that if, well, he said that there was a fight last night that got out of hand. And he told Myra to open the door. His exact quote, I messed it up, but he said, a fight got out of hand last night. It's upstairs. Ian, mm-hmm. he pretty much just admitted to murdering somebody. Yep. But, if you think about it, because, you know, at, Ian never thought they were going to get caught. Yeah. That was, like, his whole thing. I personally think that him saying that statement was his way of telling Myra, like, if we have to get questioned by police, that's the story you go with. That makes sense. Like, there was a fight last night. It got out of hand. There was a fight last night, and I accidentally murdered I somebody. axed him. <laughs> Oof. I accidentally axed him. Oh, no. Not accidentally. <laughs> it's Walmart. <laughs> so that's kind of my theory. I could be wrong. That's my theory. Um, so they managed to get the door unlocked, and the police find Edward. So police tell Ian to get dressed because he's basically half naked on the couch writing his note about his little ankle. He's still writing this note he's after... Still- I don't know if he was actually writing the note or if he was just trying to act like he didn't care, like he was busy. Was like, like pretending. Yeah. I don't think he actually cared enough about that letter. <laughs> so while he's getting ready, 
he bends down to tie his shoes. And what the police didn't know is that he had, he typically had a gun hiding there. Kind of like under the couch type of situation. Uh-huh. Um, so he had always planned on going out guns blazing if the chance had to happen. Oh, no. Um, but he reached for it. The gun was gone. And the whole hustle and bustle and cleanup of the night before the gun had got moved. So this, Myra. <laughs> so this grand plan he had right out the window. I still blame Myra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why he was acting so nonchalant during this whole process. Because he was planning on leaving the house dead. Not in handcuffs. He was like, eh, what do I got to lose at this point? That's fair, yeah. But, so reaches for the gun, it's gone. Police found the written out plan that, from the night before, because remember he put it in his wallet, He they mm-hmm. found that plan. Yeah. Yep, so they found that. They found very perverted sexual books. And they also found Ian's notebooks, and he had written down the name John Kilbride. Ian. Mm-hmm. Now, in that moment, police realized the situation was so much bigger than the murder of Edward, which obviously that was a big deal. But they did not realize that it now had connection to many other murders, potentially. They done messed up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they had no idea that Edward was connected to this missing child that they had no idea what happened to so both ian and myra were brought in ian was arrested for the murder of of edward evans and myra ended up getting released because they just didn't have anything on her i'm just shaking my head myra please upon his request upon his arrest ian did have a, a request he did not want his adoptive family that was in scotland yeah he did not want them involved in the investigation because he just didn't want them dragged into it. That was his one request when he was arrested. Well, at least he took care of them. Yeah, I mean, he did something, I guess. <laughs> so, she got out. Um, Myra got out. And she spent four days uh, with her grandma. Or, I guess, just wherever she went. And during those four days of freedom, she spent those four days destroying any bit of evidence she could get her hands on. I don't know if that's smart or stupid. Well, they knew that she did it. But at that point, they don't know what she destroyed. Yeah. So. So she claimed she burned a bunch of envelopes, but didn't look to see what was inside of them. So she had no idea what it was. She just destroyed them. Um, She just thought it was junk. Ian said that Myra knew exactly what was in those envelopes. Um, And he even claimed that information in those envelopes would have helped... With finding Keith Bennett's body. That's what Ian claimed. I mean, Ian's probably right. They knew exactly where he was at. Oh, they knew. But I don't know. He Keith kind of gets dangled like a carrot on a string yeah. sometimes. So I never know if he's just saying things about Keith just to be a dick. Or if it's actually true. It could go either way. It could go either way. And even the truth is still being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so yeah, she wasn't really able to get into the house because it was a crime scene, but anything that they had outside of the house, she destroyed. So. That's quite a bit of, she could, yeah, whatever she could get her hands on, basically. So police found, um, a luggage ticket. Um, the luggage that Ian had kept at the station where he would hide things. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So that was shoved into a prayer book that was given to Myra at her first communion. That's where they found the ticket. Okay. And she had displayed this prayer book out in the open at her house. Like she was proud like of it. Like she was just so proud. Not no like people not realizing like inside that book was the key to evidence. She's Myra. so sick. So she was not able to destroy this prayer book, obviously. Um, it was in the house, so the police were able to get it. Um, so yeah, they went, found the luggage, and inside the luggage, they found evidence of Leslie Ann Downing. So they were able to find the audio tapes and the photos. Ugh, the so audio tapes. Yes. So now they have Edward, John, and Leslie. Stacking them up. Mm-hmm. So on October 11th, Myra was charged with Edward Evans' murder, and she was brought back in. During this whole process, police find out about one of Myra's neighbors. Her name was Patricia Hodges. She was 12 years old. She lived a couple doors down from Myra and Gran. Ian was there a lot. Um, so Patricia just kind of started hanging out with Myra and Ian. She'd bring her toys to show off, and supposedly everything was fine like they never supposedly never did anything to patricia who just hangs out with a 12 year old though mm-hmm. but they did take her to the moors and have picnics and give her wine but myra said that nothing sexual ever happened or inappropriate so police realized that patricia had been taken out to the moors and at this point they're kind of realizing ian and myra are displaying the moors like they take david and maureen they take pictures maybe patricia knows something they were a little too proud of their area mm-hmm. um so they take patricia to walk them to places that myra and ian took her because maybe she knew something even yeah. if she didn't know maybe she knew um so they tried that and police also looked at all the pictures that myra and ian had taken at the grave sites with the dog. That poor dog. I know, that poor dog. Um, so they were trying to use the pictures and also trying to use, like, Patricia and David and Maureen to kind of pinpoint where these graves were. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also never confirmed, but do you remember in part one of this case, uh, you remember Ronnie St. Clair? Yes. And Ian approached him, very <laughs> weird, and he had a picture of a young girl. Yeah. That was very inappropriate. There's speculations that that could have been their neighbor, Patricia. Oh. But it's not confirmed. Gross. Yeah. So, possibly. So, on October 16th, they found Leslie Ann Downing. Excuse me. To identify the body and to also connect it all to Myron Ian, Leslie's mother not only had to go and identify the body. Oh, no. Um, but she also had to, they made her listen to one minute of the audio. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because, to identify the voice as being Leslie's. She also had to identify Leslie in the pictures that they took. Oh. Leslie's stepfather volunteered to do all of this so her mom wouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. But police said that because he was not a blood relative, it needed to be a blood relation. Because he was trying to take that burden off of her. 
that's po- horrible. The police should have just let him do it. That's mm-hmm. ugh. Yeah. So after finding Leslie's body, they questioned Ian alone. And Ian had no idea what they had found and if they had found the body at that point. They threw her Leslie's clothes on the table that Ian had buried with her. Um, as well as the tape and the pictures. They asked Ian if he had anything to say, and he said, quote, not at present. He probably had plenty to say. Mm-hmm. They're like, cool, let me play you this tape. And he said he knew what was on the tape, but they played it anyway. And he listened to it with, like, his hands in his head. So, like, it it looked like he felt remorse or, like, disgust, but I think it was like, oh, shit, I got caught. Yeah, and it had to be that mm-hmm. because Myra and Ian do not feel remorse about nope. anything. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, but I also think that he was kind of doing that to, like, kind of, like, tune it out. So, or, like, listen to it enough to where he could kind of get his story straight. Yeah. Like, hmm, gotta think here. I don't think it was remorse, but I think they were hoping it was, but it was not. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So after the tape was played, he confessed to being there during and during the taking of the photos. Mm-hmm. But Leslie left his house alive. He claimed that David Smith and another unknown man brought her to his house to take pictures. Ian agreed, took the pictures, and then she left. Who does that? Mm-hmm. So Ian was trying to pin edward's murder on david yeah and he was also now trying to do leslie's murder on david poor david poor david (laughs) so they tried the same tactic with myra the police did um playing the tape and all that um she said quote i have nothing to say and when that didn't fly they were like well you need to have something to say she was like i'm ashamed she probably had enough to say on that audio tape Mm mm-hmm so they did the same thing with David, because at this point, they really didn't know if David was involved. Mm-hmm. So they did the same thing with David, not really knowing how he'd react. But his name was kind of being thrown around, so they had to look into it. So they show him the clothes and the audio tape, and he just uncontrollably just starts sobbing. Aww. Like, breaks down. He had no idea what they were playing for him until it was being played. And he was just a hot mess. And police were like... Yeah, he didn't do this. David didn't deserve that. No, they were like, immediately, immediately they knew David did not have anything to do with that. Because he was pure shock. As as it should be. I mean, be. as one should be. So, on October 21st, 1965, both Ian and Myra were officially charged with Leslie and Downing. So, at this point, they're officially being charged with Edward and Leslie. Police start digging more and more into the pictures that they have of Ian and Myra at the Moors. Because if they find Leslie, they could be finding more. That's true. But they just didn't know who was connected at this point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they had no idea how many kids they could potentially be looking for. That's fair. Cause yeah. they did a really good job covering their tracks. Mm-hmm. So they went looking again with a crime scene photographer. Um, and they would try to find a place that looked very, very similar to the pictures that Ian and Myra took. Um, and the, they would even have the photographer take pictures of places to, like, compare it with the evidence pictures. Mm-hmm. They were just trying everything. Um, so they find a place that looks very similar to a location in a picture where Myra is crouched down to the ground, 
holding her dog, looking down at the ground, smiling. They stick a gra- they stick this is a weird sentence. They stick a stick <laughs> into the ground and they pull it up to see if the smell of decomp is at the end of the stick. And that's a smell if you've never smelt it. Unique. It is. Mm-hmm. So they smelt the tip of it and it had decomp on it. Ugh. And they had just found John Kilbride's grave. Aww. And that tactic that they did with the sticks, I saw pictures of it. Um, there would literally be rows of people walking down the moors, and they would all have sticks. How many square miles was the moors? 29.4. 29.4. That's and a lot they, of... They would just be, like, constantly sticking the sticks into the ground and then smell. Stick and smell. Stick and smell. Just trying to find anything. Because they were so desperate, basically. Like, they did the cadaver dogs. They did everything. I'm trying not to get my iced coffee sounds. <laughs> Your jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> it's just so good. Mm. What did you get? It's a shaken brown sugar oat milk espresso. Oh. That sounds good. It is good. And it's only like 200 calories. Mm. So you can't go wrong. That's not bad. I have to try to remember that and order it. I'll definitely forget, but I would like to try it. Okay, so police, found uh, they find John Kilbride's grave, and they bring his shoe to the parents to identify. Aww. When they confirmed the shoe, John's mother went to identify the body. I'm yeah. just making a really gross yeah. face right now. So she was only able to identify the body because he wore... The jacket with the soccer pins that we had mentioned with the soccer pins. And she had sewn them onto his jacket. So she knew it was him. That was the only way she could identify him. I don't see the point of identifying a body at that point. From like a physical standpoint. Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore. I I mean, there's no way. Once it reaches a certain point, a lot of it's dental records. Yeah. An autopsy technician out there can kind of help us out with that. Yeah. If which, there is one. I'm sure, in, well, in the 60s, they, yeah, they had to have done. Yeah. Maybe they were just trying to, like, be like, okay, can you, like, initial confirmation or something? I don't know. But I, I felt so bad for these moms. I couldn't imagine because doing what I do, I've seen quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I would never put anybody through no. that kind of. Mm-mm-mm. Um. So, yeah, she was able to identify just based off the buttons. Um, the police questioned Myra about the photo with her and the dog on the grave. Mm-hmm. And she claimed she had no idea it was John's grave. Myra. Just was a fun day at the moors. I'm just going to go outside and scream at, like, into the sky to scream Myra's name. I know. This is why I can't stand Myra. <laughs> she just, she's the worst. Yep. The picture was shown to Ian. Ian said that he and Myra both knew that it was the grave, and they took the picture because they thought it was funny. So Ian was honest. It's sick. We appreciate the honesty, though. But at least he was like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. Mm. So Ian ended up confessing to the murder of Edward. Sorry. Yeah, he ended up confessing to the murder of Edward and the pictures of Leslie, but that was it. At this point. 
He wasn't going to give up more information mm-hmm. when he had to. Yep. So December 2nd, 1965, that's when the hearing started. Ian was being charged with murder of, I think, both of them, of Edward and Leslie and mm-hmm. John. Uh, Myra was just being charged with an accessory at that point. Because they didn't really have a whole lot that tied her to the murders. She wouldn't admit to anything. They knew that she was involved, but they didn't have anything connecting Mm, at that point. Got it. Other than he said, she said, BS. Some hearsay. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this point, Myra and Ian were still kind of on the same page. When when things kind of progress way later down the road, that's when it's like, he said, she said. Okay. Um, so they stood together in court. They were being tried together, so they stood together in court. So, like, they stood together the whole time and, like, held hands and, yeah. They were protected by bulletproof glass. They sat together, which I thought was weird. So, like, they were able to, like, comfort each other during the whole process. They don't deserve that. No. Um, Ann West, who was Leslie's mom, took the stand and yelled at Myra, saying that she would kill her. And she called her a beast and a tramp. We agree with her. Mm-hmm. To which Myra's reaction was, she looked at Ian, and she's like, I'm not a tramp. And mm-hmm. Ian was like, oh, no, honey, you're not a tramp. <laughs> if anybody was a tramp, it was Ian. Ian. Um, so the crowds outside of the hearings were so intense because everyone basically wanted to kill them. Um, that's when they were being kind of known as Britain's most hated man and woman. Um. So, yeah, the crowds just, like, got very, very intense. Like, to the point, like, when they would leave the courthouse, they would have to have decoys. Oh, my gosh. Because people were trying to attack them in the car. That's Which, why would you even use decoys? Like, I would not volunteer myself to get hurt. No. In place of Myra. Just let them get hurt. Let them get hurt. Let nature take its course, I say. Let the world heal. (laughs) Let them attack. So David David Smith took the stand and he testified against them. He was granted immunity for this, just in case he was involved. But I don't think he was involved. And he was like the key witness for prosecution. Um, so April 1966, the trial officially started. And only the three murders, which was Edward Evans, John Kilbride, and Leslie, and Leslie and Downey were on the table. Um, so they were the only ones being talked about during this trial little did they know it would take them 20 years before ian and myra to confess to pauline and keith so they weren't even like being thought of for this it took 20 years to confess that's it infuriates my soul that is disgusting (laughs) yes um and they didn't have bodies of them so the families like they didn't know they honestly had no idea there was a connection during this whole mess yeah. I guess if you can save yourself some jail time, you're mm-hmm. going to save yourself. I mean, they're getting life anyways at yep. this point. Yep. So the thing is, is that Ian knew that no matter how things turned out, he knew he was screwed. He knew he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison. He just knew. There's no way he doesn't know. But Ian thought, you know, there's a chance Myra could get out. So after being so cold towards her mm-hmm. and treating her like mm-hmm. booty he's now gonna look yep. after her okay well he had kind of come to terms with the fact that he was going to jail like he's like whatever or he was gonna die whatever it was yeah. um he didn't care 
but he knew Myra stood a chance and he wanted to help Myra get out. Not because he gave a damn, but because he wanted her to be free so she could kind of go around the world and tell their story. And, like, keep his legacy alive. Ian, you don't have a legacy, my love. To Ian, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Maureen testified against Myra. Myra had testified that she did not know any of the locations that were being discussed during the trial. Um, none of the places, like, in the moors. Like, she's like, I don't know any of those places. Her sister got on stand and she said, that's horse shit. Myra does know these places because she took me and David to those places. Yeah, they have pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so she called her out on that. Ma- uh, Maureen also said that Myra hated children. She said what happened with her baby um, about Myra not giving a damn. Yeah. Not giving a damn. And apparently she even told a story about how she and Myra were talking about the Leslie and Downing case because it was all over the news. And Maureen made a comment about how worried she would be if she was her mother. Yeah. And Myra just laughed. Myra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During this trial, Ian and Myra didn't really pay much attention. They just kind of, they'd pass notes to each other and, like, they'd giggle and... Just be little school kids. Yeah, like, the lack of cares given was disgusting. But, like, you don't think that's going to go against you? Right? Like, like, people who <laughs> smile in their mug shots. Yeah. Like, the judge isn't going to look at that and be like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. So, Ian stuck to his story that he did not kill Leslie. But he made the comment, um, he made some type of comment in regards to he stuck a handkerchief in her mouth right before the end. And to which he was asked, the end of what? Ian didn't have an answer. He just kind of stuttered. Um, and he was like, oh, oh I, I don't know. Maybe I was opening up a tripod or something. Ian, please. <laughs> then he said, after completion, we got dressed and went downstairs. He was asked about completing what, and he and his lawyer both denied that he ever said that. That is some hardcore trying to lie Gaslight. Yeah. <laughs> so a juror ended up standing up and said, we heard it. He said it. So the juror called him out on it. <laughs> Good on that juror. Yeah, right? Ian was asked about his relationship with Myra at one point, and he basically just said that she was a typist at his work, and he told her what to do. He wasn't taking the any credit for her Mm-mm. Mm-mm. when he wasn't on the stand Ian would also give the judge the judge a big cheesy smile like every time the judge looked at him ew mm-hmm. Myra then she had her chance to take the stand and she ended up making a statement of quote I made my own decisions Ian never made me do anything I did not want to do but Myra you also didn't fess up to anything mm-hmm. so during the trial, Myra was on the stand and she was asked about Leslie, the tape of Leslie, and her obviously threatening to hit her. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't, I can't even. It is, it's awkward <laughs> stuff to talk about. <laughs> well, she said, like, she was being asked about it because it was very obvious that she threatened to hit this child. Yeah. And she was asked about that. And she denied being involved in any of it. And then she said... 
Quote, I wouldn't have hit her much. Meyer, you're going to deny being on this videotape, being recorded. People can tell it's you. Yes. <laughs> that's at this point. That's why I'm laughing because I'm like in disbelief. <laughs> I don't get these people. Mm-mm. She said that for the Edward Evans murder, she was in the kitchen and she heard screams. She covered her ears and she was terrified, but she didn't see anything. And Ian had agreed because he didn't want her to get charged with any of it. So he just kind of played it off that she didn't know anything. Why is he protecting her now? Because he wants her out. I, I just, I still don't understand, like. They were kind of somewhat united during the trial, but mm-hmm. then it all kind of falls apart. Okay. But. So Ian agreed, um, to, because he just didn't want her to get charged with anything, but later said that she was in the living room during the whole process. Ian, are you protecting her or not? I, I know, mean, I no. know, I know, I know. I'm just, uh, just the messenger. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, they knew, everyone knew that Myra, Myra was just full of shit. Um, because at the scene, they found blood on top of her shoes. But there was none inside of her shoes. Meaning that she had to have been wearing the shoes in the living room when it happened. Mm. Like, had she taken her shoes off and they were at the door, the blood would have just, like, been, been on the top and gotten inside. Yeah. But if her foot's in there, That's gonna there's a barrier. That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to explain it for anyone who's not catching my drift. <laughs> her feet were in her shoes. Her feet were in her shoes and the blood went on top of the shoes. <laughs> so... They had evidence against her with that, but she didn't have an explanation for that part. Go figure. So, May 6th, uh, Ian was found guilty of all three murders. Myra was found guilty of the murders of Leslie and Edward and harboring Ian knowing that he had killed John Kilbride. She should have gotten all three. Mm Mm-hmm. So both were sentenced to life in prison, which they should count their lucky stars that they got life in prison, because four weeks prior to their sentencing, mm-hmm. uh, the death penalty was abolished in the UK. Oh, they got so lucky. Mm-hmm. Oh. Had this happened uh, literally a month earlier, their asses would have hanged, because that's how they hang people there. The gallows. They would have been to the gallows. <laughs> so... So, at the end of their trial, that was the last time Ian and Myra ever saw each other. Probably for the best. Mm-hmm. So, Ian went to Durham Prison, and Myra went to Holloway Prison. Their sentencing was the last time they ever saw each other for the rest of their miserable lives. To which, this is my favorite part. We like a favorite part. Because I'm going to tell you um, their parts in how their lives in jail, and how they got so miserable... And suffered. They deserve it. Yes! This is my favorite. Which I deserve it after all this. (laughs) (laughs) So Myra was immediately immediately attacked when she got to prison. She deserved it. Mm -hmm. Um, She asked for solitaire, but they denied it. Um, But she did have a guard walk with her at all times. Because she was very high risk. Um, She filed an appeal saying that it wasn't fair that she was tried with Ian. And they said, absolutely not, because you even said on the stand, you made your own decisions. Yeah. So you bit yourself in the ass, my friend. So that kind of went down the tube real quick. 
but for three years, Ian and Myra, they talked to each other through letters. I don't like this part. They shouldn't have been allowed to do that. I know. In these letters, they would write each other codes with, like, some kind of special system. I read the system. It was very confusing for me to keep up with. So, they just had a system. So, that's all I'll say. (laughs) In these letters, they would write about hurting kids and just messed up stuff. And in one of the letters, she asked Ian if one of his connections outside of prison would pour acid on Leslie's four-year-old brother. Oh, my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm. But she was innocent. She was so innocent. Yep. So they broke up a couple times, but they got back together. I don't really know why it matters when you're in prison. But they had a rocky relationship. (laughs) So they tried to get married while in prison. Because when you're married, you can see each other. Yeah. That was denied. Good. They wanted conjugal visits. That was denied. Good. Um, like I said, there was a crap ton of Myra supporters. They need to not. Mm-hmm. People really fought for her to get parole because they thought she was a victim. Um, and she really played into that, but it never worked out. Um, and those supporters were so into Myra that they even went so far as desecrating Leslie's grave. Oh my god! They had to move Leslie's grave to an unknown location. Because it kept getting vandalized. That is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Which, if you support Myra at all, but let alone to that extent, you're literally, like, pond scum. Like, I don't know what to say if to you're people like that. If you're still a Myra sympathizer <laughs> to this day, I'm going to find you and I'm going to punch you. Yes. You deserve it. So, three years into, the, into prison, Myra started having affairs with the female prison guards. Because they're aggressively bisexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And she broke up with Ian, which I'm sure Ian was heartbroken. Um, and she changed her name. She was starting to be called Myra Spencer. I don't think legally she ever changed it, but that's just what she went by. And she claimed, again, to be very religious. Once again. Once again. Um... <laughs> So she was starting to get special treatment because of her affairs with the guards. Yeah. Um, she, uh, the warden would let her go out in public and they'd go for walks. How did she not get murdered during mm-hmm. this? So Myra would play with the warden's dog. They'd go to museums together. And at one of the museums, someone saw Myra and thought she had escaped prison and called and reported her and like was freaking out. I mean, I would, too. Mm -hmm. So the media and the victims heard about this. They were pissed. So they all, they they were pissed. They did everything they could to put an end to all those outings, which, rightfully so, she should not be going to museums. She doesn't deserve There's no field trips in prison. (laughs) Um, So her little outings ended. Good. So Myra started an affair with a new female guard, and they started planning an escape for Myra. This guard was a former nun. It's at a point of being ridiculous. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> we are we are uh, kind of jumping the char- shark here, yeah. aren't we? She, had a, she was a former nun, and they had a two-year secret affair, and they would sneak into the prison chapel and do the deed. Because she's just so religious. They're so religious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They got caught by trying to make copies of keys for Myra's grand escape. 
Um, and the guard ended up getting five years in prison. And Myra got another year tacked onto her sentence, which she already had life in prison, so. What's another year going to do to her? Yeah. Yep. So Myra got a really nice cell. She could have all the books, and she had more luxuries than what other inmates had. Because she was sleeping with the guards. Ew. Mm-hmm. So at some point uh, during this whole process, Myra and Ian just kind of turned on each other, which at that point, it's like, why bother? You don't even see each other, but yeah. they turned on each other. Um, so she really played into the whole, I'm an innocent lady, and Ian made me do everything, that whole bit. Um, she said he terribly abused her, he raped her, she was scared to leave, um, and she had to be involved. She didn't have a choice. So she threw him under the bus, and he ended up doing the same thing. He threatened to expose her with all the letters that she wrote him. Mm-hmm. And she panicked and told everyone that she wrote letters about hurting kids because Ian wanted her to do that for his own pleasure. Which it turned out to just dig a bigger hole for Myra because she outed herself and Ian never released those letters. Myra, <laughs> darling, you're already in separate prisons. So she made herself look terrible. You can't say that he's making you do it. <laughs> Ian was always very upfront with how evil he was. Myra denied everything until the end. She tried to fool everyone throughout the whole her whole life. There ain't no fool in this. No. No, sir. So Ian, during Ian's prison stay, he mentored younger inmates. And he would talk to the ones that were arrested for burglary. And he would kind of give them tips and tricks and all the things. Like, he was like a mentor. I <laughs> thought we were going a different direction with the mentor thing. Like, he was mentoring them, like, how to read or something. No. Not mentoring Mm-mm. them how to break into people's homes. No. One of his tips, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Uh, he would give them cellophane uh, paper or wrap, whatever. Cellophane wrapper. Mm-hmm. And he would put his fingerprints on them. Ian's fingerprints on them. And he would tell them on the first job they did on their release, he wanted these people to leave his fingerprints at the scene. Because he loved the idea of police finding his fingerprints and wondering how he made that happen while in prison. Ian. (laughs) What is your problem, my dude? Yep. So, while in prison, a big article was put out by The Sun, and it was put out, <clears throat> sorry, and it was basically just said everything that Ian and Myra did in their crimes. So, inmates from both Myra and Ian's prison saw it. So, no one, I'm sure that people knew what they did, but they didn't know the details. But no one really knew what they did. Ugh. So, they started getting a hold of this article. One inmate broke Myra's nose. Good. Bruised her face, loosened her teeth, and split her lip. Good. She had to be fed through a straw for six weeks. Perfect. And she tore the cartilage in her knee. Oh, that hurts. I know, but she it's Myra. It. She deserves it. <laughs> um, the inmate was only 19 years old. So she was like three years older than their oldest victim. So I kind of saw that as like poetic justice. Yeah. Like she just beat the crap. Just whoop some candy ass on Myra. I love it. I love it. Mm. Um, 
Myra also claimed that she couldn't eat the food that was in prison because she claimed that the guards were peeing in it. I hope they were. I, I kind of hope they were, too. Must have been the ones that she wasn't sleeping with. <laughs> um, so she, again, tried to go for parole. She still claimed that she knew nothing about the murders and the graves. The moors were just a peaceful place for her, and her only crime was loving Ian. She said society owed her a living. Society owes you nothing, Myra. Yep. It was only Ian that did everything. It didn't work. She never got parole. The victim's family showed up to every single parole hearing, and they fought tooth and nail to make sure that she never got out. Good. Uh, Myra's mother even made a statement saying that she thought it was better for Myra to stay in prison because she knew if she got out, she'd get killed. Ian made a statement that he wished the families, the victim's families, would stop campaigning to keep Myra in jail because if she got out, then they could just kill her. Ian, once again, where where do you stand, Mm -hmm. my dude? Where do you stand? Yep. So Ian was in prison for 19 years. Uh, He was repeatedly beaten and attacked by inmates before finally getting solitary confinement and a guard to escort him around. He doesn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. He ended up being transferred to Ashworth High High Security Psychiatric Hospital in 1985. Obviously, Ian was a very sick individual, um, but prison and solitary confinement really made him, like, lose his marbles. As if they weren't already gone. Mm-hmm. He stayed at the psychiatric hospital until the end, like, till he died. Um, he woke up one day, and he was convinced that he had a gun in his cell, and he spent hours searching for it. And then he realized, like, he had this moment of clarity, like, there's literally no reason a gun would be here. I wonder, like... Mm-hmm. He also, every morning, would wake up and tell himself that he was the Moore's murderer, which obviously he knew. Yeah. But it was like, he said it over and over and over, and like, the solitaire of it all, like, just being by himself. Yeah. Like, he, like, was mentally, like, losing it. He deserved it. He deserved it. I don't have sympathy, but... Nah. Nah. Um, so from the beginning of his sentence, Ian tried to do hunger strikes to try to kill himself. (laughs) I mean, we don't oppose that. I love this so much. (laughs) You're going to find out why. His first hunger strike was 28 days. That's not bad. Uh, Another one was 52 days. And the next was 72 days. Ian said that he was, would eventually get to the point of being force fed by having a uh, block of wood in between his teeth and they would put a tube in between the wood so it like would go into his mouth uh. um and it would go into his mouth and straight into his stomach so he didn't have a choice but to eat so all of his suicide attempts were useless because they were literally keeping him alive against his will i love that and i love it that's very much giving like you'll get the day you deserve yes it's just the most amazing thing i've ever heard in my life um, Ian never wanted to go to for parole. He had no desire to. He knew it was a waste of time. Um, he said that the murders, um, he said the murders were that of a madman and he didn't want to seek anyone's sympathy and he would spend the rest of his life in prison. At least he knows. He knew. I mean, he was very self-aware. 
He was a monster, but he was a self-aware monster. But it doesn't make him no. any better. Oh, no, 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 no. no. So on January 21st, 1985, Ian makes a vague statement saying that he was involved with Pauline and Keith. Myra denied it and said Ian lied about the whole thing. I literally just rolled my eyes. Myra, <laughs> shut up. So um, November the next year, 1986, a very intense search started in the moors. And Myra and Ian were even taken out on several occasions to try to find the graves, but they were no help. They were probably just, like, wandering mm-hmm. around the field like idiots. Yep. So the that was November 86. That February of 87, which is a few months later, Myra admitted to being part of the murders of Pauline and Keith. Finally. Mm-hmm. July 1st, 1987, a few months later. Pauline's body was finally found after 24 years. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm just shaking my head. I know. After Pauline was found, Ian said that he would tell them where Keith's body was buried. They took him to the moors and he just suddenly acted like he was dizzy. And he was not feeling well. He just so, wanted some fresh air. So he was not helpful. No. Mm-mm. Keith's body was never found. Myra... She tried to make several maps to find Keith's body, but all of them were BS. None of them were helpful. That's 29.4 square miles Mm -hmm. of searching. Yep. So Pauline's mother was in a psychiatric facility when the body was found. Police took her white stilettos that she was wearing. Oh, no. For her to identify. Oh. Um, Pauline's mother did confirm that she had bought those shoes for her to go to the dance the day of her Aww. murder. Mm-hmm. So, but at least they were able to find Pauline. So, that's good. So, my highlight reel. Let's let's hear it. We got a little bit more, but... Oh, Myra! <laughs> uh, she had a lot of suffering. Good. Um, so, during her sentence, Myra had a heart attack, a stroke, angina... A cerebral aneurysm, high blood pressure, osteoporosis, high cholesterol, headaches, depression, back pain, chest infections, arthritis, asthma, and irritable bowel syndrome. She deserves all of it, especially to IBS. Yep. She also broke her femur while working out at the prison gym, and she had to walk with a cane. Mm. Which I hope when she hurt herself in the prison, I hope she shit her pants. Because of the IBS. Yes. Yes. I hope during all those instances, I hope every single one of them was associated with with explosive diarrhea. I do too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, on November 2002, she was 62 years old. She had a heart attack and she was taken to the hospital. She developed bronchial pneumonia and died after two weeks of suffering. Good. Good riddance, mm. Myra. So, her final words, uh, she was crying for her mother. I think this is great because Leslie Downing cried for her mother. Oh, that's and Myra shut her up. So I'm I think that's like poetic justice. That is poetic justice. You know what I mean? So twenty undertakers refused to take her body. She eventually got cremated at the Cambridge crematorium. Police had to guard the whole process because people were showing up. 
Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Her ashes were scattered in an undisclosed location, and many poli- many people believe that she's in the Moors. Uh, one report said that she was scattered about 10 miles away from the graves of the victims, but that's not confirmed. I feel like it's giving her too much to scatter her mm-hmm. in the Moors. She doesn't deserve that. Yep. So, as far as Ian goes, in 1999, Ian went on another hunger strike, and they kept him alive. Um, he tried fighting for his right to die peacefully, but it was denied. Good. Good. The other times he did this, um, they put temporary feeding tubes in mm-hmm. every time he went on a strike. This time they put a permanent tube in through uh, his nose that went right to his stomach. So they were continuously feeding him so he would live against his will. He deserves And it. I think that's so great. Um, he ended up getting lung cancer. Um, so that's that. Um, I also wondered why he just didn't pull the tube out if he wanted to die. He probably has somebody watching him the whole time. Yeah, he did say that he got, um, constant, um, surveillance from guards. And I think the guards, like, harassed him all the time. So, like, he never got sleep. And, like, he never was, like, at peace. Because, the, like, the guards were always there. I'm sure that attributed to his, uh, mental status. hmm So, Boxing Day, 1999. Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Ian collapsed and was taken to the hospital. So, another poetic justice because, well, unfortunately he survived. But I love that Leslie Downing popped up again. Oh, yeah? Because she went missing and they killed her on Boxing Day. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Leslie's, like, popping up. And he's just getting her <laughs> poltergeist revenge. Yes. As she should. Um, so he kept making appeals for his right to die and not being force-fed up into his death. Um, and on May 15th, 2017, he finally died. At 79 years old. After almost 20 years of wanting to die so damn bad, he lived to the ripe old miserable age of 79. Um, He died in a high-security psychiatric hospital. He ended up dying from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which affected his lungs. It was said to be a very painful death. It was hard for him to breathe. He was agitated and uncomfortable and in pain. We love To to which I say... Hear he, hear he, thank God. <laughs> Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> um, his wishes were be to cre- were be bleh. His wishes, he wanted to be cremated. And his ashes, he wanted them in the Saddleworth Moors. A judge said, nah, playa, we ain't doing that. Good. He said, nope, ain't happening. The judge said, Ian would not have a funeral, he would not have a service, he would not have any flowers, no music, nothing. Good. He was put, supposedly, his ashes were put in a biodegradable urn, and he was taken to the Liverpool Marina and rode out to sea on October 27th, 2017, at 2.30am, and scattered in the ocean. Just tossed overboard. That's what he deserves. And I hope Ian turned into shark shit. I do too. I hope so. The only thing that I hate about it, I love that he suffered so much, but he took Keith to the grave. Yeah. That's, ugh. So we're almost there. So, what the heck, what the heck happened to everyone else? 
in okay. the story. Uh, because these two diarrhea puddles didn't just kill kids. They left a lot of people in their wake. So poor poor Maureen and David, they were harassed for, like, forever. Aww. Um, everyone thought that David was involved with the murders, even though he was not found guilty. Um, like, they would go out in public and... Just so this makes sense, Maureen looks like a lot like Myra. Haggard. Like they they, <laughs> they are very much related. And oh. she had like she was like a dark haired version of Myra. Okay. So when her and David would go out, they would get harassed. Do you think that's why Myra wore the black? I thought wig? about that. I'm not sure. Just trying to frame her sister. Maybe. But like they'd get spit on, oh. they'd get harassed. Um everyone just thought he was guilty. It was a whole thing. At some point, David ended up losing it, and he stabbed a man that was harassing him about the murders. Like, he called him a child killer, and David just, like, lost it and stabbed him. He ended up turning himself over to the police. He did get three years in prison, but everyone kind of thought at that point he was a murderer. Yeah. Um, during this prison stay, Maureen cheated on him while he was there. He broke up with, she broke up with him over a letter. At this point, they had three sons, all under the age of six. Maureen neglected the children. She would not feed them. They were malnourished, and she would leave them alone so she could go out and party and do whatever she wanted. The kids were taken away from her, and they thrived away from her. Good. It's probably for the best. They did really well. David was sent updates about the kids and how well they were doing, and when he got out of prison, he managed to get a job, he got a house, he got remarried, and he was able to see his kids again. Hopefully people stopped looking at him like he was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Myra's home, which was Grand's house, which was where Edward and Leslie were killed, eventually got torn down because nobody wanted it. That's fair. Um, and people kind of kept showing up and taking, like, bits and pieces of the house as, like, mementos. Ew. Mm-hmm. So that ended up getting torn down. I could not find any details about Edward Evans' family. Uh, Pauline's mother was in a psychiatric ward, um, and her, Pauline's parents and brother all passed away, but because they were able to find Pauline, they were all able to share a plot together. Oh, So good. now they're all together, thankfully. Good. Um, John Kilbride's brother did everything he could to help find his brother. When he, he was nine when John was killed. He helped inves- investigators do reenactment, reenactments of John's, like, last day trying mm-hmm. to find him. So, like, he pretended to be John and, like, go through his last steps. Mm-hmm. He, like, the whole family just tried to do everything. He said his parents never recuperate, recuperated from the loss. He said his mom stopped singing around the house. His dad started drinking. And his parents lived in hell and died of a broken heart. Oh. Mm-hmm. Terry said, which was John's brother of Ian's death, quote, it takes a lot to, it's a lot to take in. It's been years and years of anguish and pain for us and the families of the victims, but nothing will change. He's dead, but we still have to live with the nightmare he left behind. He ruined our lives for all these years, and he'll still ruin it even though he's gone. I feel numb. He was a murderous psychopath. There were no words to describe him. A complete lunatic. Good riddance. At least he's dead now. He'll save the taxpayers some cash. I can get behind that last statement. Mm-hmm. He also said, I don't drink, but I'll have a pint. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So Anne, which was Leslie's mother, she wrote a book titled For the Love of Leslie, where she talked about Leslie and everything that happened. 
Anne was a complete badass during the trial. She spoke up against Myra and Ian. She did a lot of interviews. Um, she fought tooth and nail to make sure, like, they never got out of jail. She was even going to make a documentary mm-hmm. with about Leslie and everything and have the audio of the tapes Ooh. put in because Myra had so many supporters. She's like, I want people to know what she did. But it ended up not happening. Yeah, I don't know if I would put that audio out there. Yeah, I think she was, like, but her her baby's grave got desecrated. Yeah. They were trying to get her. I think she was just so desperate. Just done with it. But it never happened. But she wanted it to. So. Um, She ended up passing away in February of 1999 at 69. And her husband passed away in 2016. Anne was buried next to Leslie. And once Leslie's grave was vandalized, they were both moved together. Oh, good. At an undisclosed location. Um, unfortunately, the whole family was kind of upset that Leslie's killers outlived Leslie's parents. They were all kind of upset about that. But, And her brother, Terry, also wrote a book titled, If Only Living in the Shadows of the Moore's Murders. So if anybody wants to read books, the family members have some books written out there. Uh, Winnie Thompson, who was Keith Bennett's mom... Uh, after he disappeared, she continued to make a spot for him at the table every night. She bought birthday presents for him until she realized he was gone. Aww. Um, she wrote a letter to Myra begging for them to confess where Keith was. Yeah. And for Ian as well. And neither one of them answered. Trash. Mm-hmm. Over the years, Winnie went to the Morris herself looking for Keith. Even as she got older and her health was failing and she could no longer physically look. Like, because she would go out with shovels and look. That is commitment. She was commit. Like, she, I think, had other kids. And, like, they would all just go out and try. Like, holes. I'm tired mm-hmm. of digging, Grandpa. <laughs> well, that's too damn bad. <laughs> that's too damn bad. Yep. So, even when she no longer could, she hired private firms, like, with cadaver dogs and... Mm-hmm. Everything. She even wrote the Prime Minister countless times asking for help. Um, She said, I'll never stop searching until he's found. I'll go on and on until I bring him home. When he's found, I know I've done my duty as a mother. I'll be at ease then. Aww. Mm -hmm. That woman tried damn hard um, to do everything she could. Most people would have just given up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. she had been asked what she thought about Ian and Myra avoiding the death penalty, and she said that the rope would have been too simple and short for them, and hanging was too quick. To which I say, huzzah. I think Ian got what he deserved. I, I think they both did. Yeah. <laughs> um, Winnie developed terminal cancer, and toward the end, she was very ill and in hospice, and she made one last effort, uh, basically asking Ian for help to find her son. And her dying wish was to bury her son while she was alive. And Ian refused. Ian. Which I'm not saying I'm shocked. But. So she died at 78 and she was buried with Keith's broken glasses. Because she had intended to fix them the day he went missing and she just held on to them. So she was buried with his glasses. Oh, and whatever happened to the sweet pup? Yeah, what what happened to Pop It? So police said they wanted to determine how old Pop It was. At the time of the investigation, in comparison to the time of how old he was in the pictures. I don't really know what that had to do with anything, but I think they were trying to prove the timeline and everything that Ian and 
Myra was claiming. I think time-wise, that's what their excuse was. They were trying mm-hmm. to find, they determine the dog's age. Okay. So, they took the dog to the vet. Um, I'm not really sure why they had to do this, but the vet put the dog under anesthesia to do whatever testing they were going to do. I've never heard of this in my entire life being a thing. Unless it was an aggressive dog. I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, the dog died under anesthesia. Oh. Mm-hmm. The dog didn't deserve that. Myra was livid. She claimed that the police killed her dog. And I'll be honest, um, I don't know if I disagree. <laughs> I feel like it's very well possible <laughs> that they could have possibly, wink, wink, killed the dog. I still don't think the dog deserved it. Oh, the dog did not deserve it at all. But I wouldn't, I'm not saying the police are innocent in that one. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> I don't know if it's needed to put a dog under anesthesia to, to determine the age. No. Mm-mm. So that was the sick, twisted, long tale of the Moore's murders. Thanks, I hate it. I hate my life. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. Hey y'all, it's Kayla just hopping in at the end of the episode to say thank you for making it this far. We have been working so hard on this podcast and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we wanted to say thank you and we love you for it. Also, just remember to give us a rating, give us a review, share if you can. And make sure you find us on all of our social media platforms. I will post all of those links, all those handles in our description box. But you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you find us on YouTube for some special future content. Oh, and uh, Pinterest. Because who doesn't love Pinterest? Anyway, thank you so, so much for making it this far. And just for you, here's a little sneak peek of next week's episode. Bye! one of her nipples had been bitten off oh yeah <laughs> she was also uh, that gave me like the the heebie-jeebies like i don't want to think the nipple about, thing yeah the, uh, what, what is it with biting people's nipples off <laughs> i don't get it I, uh, uh.